off in my mentions, they could get stitches. Uh, come with me, conjurer, smelling that grain on your wishes. I'm wishing hell on you bitches. Demons and witches and bitches, they off in my mentions, they could get stitches. Uh, come with me, conjurer, smelling that grain on your wishes. I'm wishing hell on you bitches. Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a new episode of Demons, Witches, and Bitches, the podcast. Podcast. I am Witchy Boy Pop, and I am joined here with my lovely, beautiful man, Josh. Hello everybody. So this week, we are doing a podcast dedicated to queer horror. And since it's Pride Month... Pride! Yeah, gotta have pride. And just taking a look at a few things. We watched a couple of films. We're gonna mention some things that we have watched in the past Mm -hmm. as well. And we're just gonna kind of run it down and see... I don't know how you guys feel about it. See how we feel about it. Yeah. So, sit back, relax... Turn on some light jazz. <laughs> Should we add some light jazz in here? <laughs> but no, seriously. Uh, grab your popcorn. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Because we're going to get into it. So we watched... Midnight Kiss. We did watch Midnight Kiss. As well as Rift. Rift. Uh, which is a Swedish film. Or yeah. Icelandic film, excuse me. Oh, okay. And not that I know if there's a difference because I'm an un- uncultured swine. So I apologize. I, I didn't know where it was from. I just knew it was... I did look it up because I wanted to know a little bit more about it. And it is. It's Icelandic. Okay. But... Uh, so yeah, we watched those two specifically, and a couple of weeks ago we had watched, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, Mm -hmm. which is very homoerotic, we'll get into it. Um, some other things that we're gonna be mentioning is The Lighthouse, Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll get into why. Some other films, such as High Tension, uh, Stranger by the Lake, which I don't think you've seen, but I have watched in the past. Yeah. Then, kind of looking at television, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Chilling Tales of, uh, or excuse me, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, mm-hmm. uh, and and then also talking a little bit about short horror films on YouTube, like Crypt TV. Yeah. So okay. So first, we're gonna start with the films that we watched. Yeah. Midnight Kiss. And Rift. Let's start with Midnight Kiss. I liked it. I thought it was... So I didn't expect it to be compelling, I guess. uh, Or, like, very well acted. Okay. In a way. But I think it was very well acted. And... Or, you know, to a point. Definitely. Um, And... uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's on Hulu. It is. It's a part of their Into the Dark series where they yes. do uh, shorter horror movies, I would say. I don't know. They're, well, because they're supposed to... They're produced by the Bloomhouse yeah. pro- television production company. Yeah. And so these are like 90-minute, 80 to 90-minute sh- horror movies yeah and every month they have a new one a new film and Mm -hmm. a lot of times they will come out during the month and it will have a theme so for example midnight kiss is the january new year Mm -hmm. film that came out just this year and uh but you know there's some other ones where like mother's day is about pregnancy yeah there's a Valentine's Day one, I believe. Um, I think there's so. a Christmas one. Yes. Uh, so yeah, but it was um, for me. It was a pretty decent slasher film. Yeah, it was definitely that. Yeah, uh, the kills in it were satisfying, and the overall story was fine. Yeah, there wasn't. It didn't. I don't think it asked. For you to expect anything more than it was. Sure. 
And so we're just going to give you a little bit of story. It is about a group of friends. I think there's, what, about five of them? Yeah, so there's one. There's the guy, the other guy, that guy, and a girl. So, yeah, So there's it's a group five. of, like, four originally, I think. Yes. So, okay. Yeah. So, basically, the story is about these five friends, and they have this game that they do every new year for, like, I think the past seven years or some shit. Yeah. And basically what it is is uh, you find somebody that you want to have your midnight kiss with because, you know, everybody wants to kiss their significant other during At the midnight, new year. Yeah, yeah you know, years. new year, and, and you want you know, the best for each other and everything. And then, of course, you don't want to be alone on that night. Yeah. Nobody likes to be alone during the holidays. No. So the rules are they can't choose anybody within the group. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a new person each year. Yeah. And you have the choice of whether or not you can stay with the person the whole night or if you want to move on. Yeah, un- until sunrise. Correct. If You if also you... can't force them into a kiss because yes, that's too easy. it has easy. to be consensual. Yeah. So this movie just follows that group of friends and has to deal with that game. It's, the, it's a new year. And I will say, I feel like the characters all were a little... Um, I'm going to say this word wrong. Uh, archetypal? Yeah. Very archetypal. Yeah, they all had their different personalities that were specific for the story. Yes. I wish that they had developed the characters a little bit more, other than yeah, being vapid. But And I think that's probably my biggest concern i guess you could say about the film is that it very much feeds into the idea of what people think the gay lifestyle yeah. is like especially the young gays yeah so yeah that's probably my biggest complaint but all in all i really enjoyed the film i i didn't know where it was going to go yeah in all honesty i didn't know if it was going to be like a psycho like it turned out to be this person who was the killer and all along or something you know what i mean like i didn't know where it was gonna go i i think they did the the mystery of it Mm -hmm. pretty well because it kept you guessing through the entire thing you were expecting to find something some sort of clue uh, throughout the movie to figure out who the killer was. And I think right. it played that well enough that when you got to about that moment where the killer uh, it is revealed, just becomes, you, yeah. you kind of already have an idea of who it probably is. And, Correct. Um, so I think they played that well. Yes. It wasn't too much of a surprise. I would have liked a little bit more surprise. I would have liked a little more originality. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know what else I expected, really. But... I, again, like I said, I don't think it asked for anything more right. than that. It just wanted to tell, like, a good slasher story. Yes. And this is a film that you have not seen, I know, is uh, that is gay a horror is hellbent. Yeah, is, you talked about that. Yeah, it's it's basically the same story, but without a lot of the campiness. Okay. And better acting. Oh, okay. So, and definitely you feel more of the relationships with the characters in this film as opposed to hellbent. Okay. So, people may be like, oh my god, you're being so ridiculous, but... I, this is my opinion, damn it. (laughs) So, (laughs) no, but seriously, like, I, I totally understand it's, it's, it's not one of the first gay films, but it's probably one of the more better known gay horror films Mm -hmm. just because there's so little. So the next film that we watched was Rift. Yeah. And this was on, so for us, we had to download Tubi TV. Yeah. And, uh, which a lot of you have probably heard about, like, 
Pluto and Tubi TV is very similar. Yeah, it's just got movies and stuff on it uh, that you can watch usually for free with ads. Just a couple of ads and honestly, you know, I know this is supposed to be like about horror, but let me take a moment. We're not we're not being endorsed by Tubi. This is not a sponsorship. (laughs) Yeah, this is not a sponsorship. However, I will say I didn't find their ads as bad or as intrusive yeah like some other apps that we've used yeah i think hell even the vh1 app when i watch drag race is far more intrusive and takes way longer yeah usually the ads were like five to 15 seconds yeah and about 15 seconds long except for those first batch yeah but it was about every 15 minutes which helps which I felt was fair. It was like watching it on TV. Yeah, just just regular but, uh, television. So, okay, enough about Tubi TV. So, Rift is an Icelandic film. It is gay horror. And the setup is, it is about uh, a couple that they're exes now. And... They've broken up. They have, yeah, they have broken up. And this is like Christmas time or mm-hmm. soon to be Christmas. Yeah. And it is, it is like a drama slash thriller mm-hmm. with some horror elements thrown in. Um, I really did enjoy this film. I thought it at least tried to do something different than like Midnight Kiss or Hellbent. Um, and even though... There were. This is a very slow burn film. Yeah, and it is also not scary. How much do you want to go into it? Should we? Throw as far as I'm up? concerned, yes. Let's just throw spoiler warning. Okay. If you guys are gonna go see this film, please stop listening if you don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, and then come on back. Yeah, come and back and hear what we have to say. Yeah, about it. so it's free. Totally on Tubi TV. On Tubi TV if you can get access to it. So it is about these two gentlemen. They were a couple. They ended up breaking up. It's been... I From what he said, it's like literally only been maybe two months. Yeah, it doesn't seem very long. October. Yeah. of Because he, he even asked, he's like, of this year? And he's like, yeah. So anyhow. Um, they have broken up. The guy... Gets a phone call in the middle of the night from his ex. And he's like, there's someone here with me. He says, um, do you ever get that feeling when you wake up in the middle of the night and it feels like somebody or something is in the room? Yes. And with you. With you. And so he says that he's at, uh, I'm going to butcher the language, so I apologize. But so uh, it's, the word is ro- rocour or rocour. Ro- yeah, rocour or something, something like that. that. Yeah. I, I apologize, um, but it means rift. Yeah, and it's the place. It's the name of the place. This cabin that he's at and um, that his ex is at, and he goes there. Apparently, they've spent time there mm-hmm. together before. It is. It is a really cute little house. It, it all takes place pretty much right there or in nearby areas of that place. Yeah. Um, if it's supposed to be more significant area-wise, I, I don't know if we missed that I don't, part. They, <laughs> they pretty much made it out. Like, maybe people from Icelandic countries yeah. know more about this area if there's anything specific but to yes. us there it to me it just seemed like it was more of a misnomer yeah of like this it was just a place and i mean there were like some abandoned what appeared to be like apartment buildings but uh it didn't seem that important the name or the place that much except for that it's i mean it was important to their characters i guess right but it didn't yeah 
it it's just one of those and and I think it's due to the fact that we watched a dubbed version. Yeah. As well as our horror may be very different from their horror. Yeah. And not to separate it that way, um, other than just culture. Just a culture difference, maybe. So, but I really, I really enjoyed the originality in it. Yeah. It did have some things that didn't quite make sense. Yeah. I take some issues with a few things. Okay. In it. Do you want to get into it? Sure. Okay. Number one. No reason why there should have been any reference to Christmas time. Okay. I, yeah, in it my wasn't opinion, really... because other than like trying to map out how long it's been, sure, no, nothing has to do with Christmas. No, not really. They play one Christmas song and they show ornaments. Yeah, there's no like setting up a Christmas tree. There's no like anything about anyway. It it just it, seemed it just seemed kind odd. of a throwaway thing. Yeah, it seemed yeah. really throwaway. It's like how Die Hard. Yes, Die Hard's at Christmas time. And it doesn't. It's a Christmas necessarily party. matter. Yeah. yeah. Other than the Christmas party, right? But but people call it a Christmas movie. And then my other issue is, uh-huh. they really set it up to be like that. There's a supernatural thing happening. Yes. And in the end, I was left confused as if as to if there were any supernatural things at all. So I kind of was picking up on that immediately, pretty much due to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. When he gets to the cabin and... I don't remember either. There, one was Gunner, right? Yeah. Gunner and Ed- Edgar or something like that? Uh, NR. NR, yeah. E-I-N-A-R. Enar? Enar. Maybe. I'm sorry. Again. I don't think they... I think it was NR the way he was saying Oh, maybe it, it was NR. Okay. It was E-I-N-A-R and Gunner. So, yeah, NR. So, NR was not there. The other thing I do want to mention is... Gunner seems much older yeah. than NR. Yeah. Um, Gunnar also, during this time before he goes to the cabin, is already involved with another person, another man. Yeah. Who is about the same age, if not a little bit younger than NR. Yeah. Uh, right away, of course, he's not being honest with his new boyfriend. And throughout the film, you do understand that there was a lot of resentment towards Gunner for being so closed off. Yeah. And that's kind of ultimately what pulled them apart, that rift. Yeah. So I think that term obviously is to be metaphorical and all that. Yeah. But Gunner gets to the cabin NR is not there. He's outside. Mm-hmm. But the door was wide open. And there's this constant thing about the door. But it only lasts for about maybe 30 minutes. And then it's never mentioned again. Yeah. there It, it really does point to it a lot. But it doesn't really... Basically, what's happening is the door just keeps opening. Yeah, he keeps trying to close the door and it keeps popping open. There is a lock on the door. There's you a deadbolt. See on the, the door. deadbolt, and yet they don't ever close it with the deadbolt. They don't ever lock the fucking door. Yeah. I don't know if that's just a thing because they're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. But then, then the neighbor lady, she's is, like, "People break in." Yeah. So I'm like, "Well, yeah, when you're not fucking locking your goddamn door." But, uh, so yeah, then it's it was a very but I liked. That they tried to make it like this kind of a ghost story. Yeah. And I think it is. It's just they weren't very explicit. Yeah. Once you get to the end and you find out kind of what ended up happening, it does make me wonder if this happened much earlier in the film and he's just realizing it. 
Maybe. Or something along those lines. See, that's... It's not that it was bad. I liked... I got involved in it. Yes. But there's just some things that, like, there's a story about him seeing a child. Yes. And then he hears a child's voice. Yes. Then he's seeing uh, Einar reliving that moment where he calls Gunnar uh-huh. on the phone, but that didn't. He wasn't there, but he's seeing right. it now. It's like a, yeah. It's, there's a lot of, like, I don't know. A lot of pieces that didn't quite fit together. Yeah, it felt like there was something they wanted to do, and they didn't quite get that message across. Yeah. I do wonder if they tried to make it more artistic as opposed to telling a good story. Yeah. Not that it's a bad story. It's just very disjointed. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that they did that it's like, okay, but where was the payoff on this? Yeah. And there's moments where they really... the It focuses so much on Gunner and his... His... How much he's not a very good person. Yeah, he's, like... Controlling. Controlling. He's closed off. He's judging yes um you can tell he cares yes but he doesn't allow things to like just be yes without him being involved right so so the two these two movies obviously they what they have a lot of connection with and something that i'm like okay i'm starting to see a trend here Mm. Uh, in queer horror is there's a lot about breakups. Yeah. And I get that breakups are the hardest thing and and I'm perfectly fine with that but it it seems like a lot of these queer horror stories so far seem to be a lot about breakups. Yeah. And or relationships and not making it work. Yeah. And there's another film that I wanted to watch that unfortunately we just weren't able to find yeah. the time or find the ability to watch it. Mm-hmm. What Keeps You Alive is the name of it. And it is supposed to be about a lesbian couple. I don't know much more than that, and I don't really want to give too much away at this point of what I do know. Yeah. But I do know it's about the relationship between these two women. Yeah. So... And that, again, I will take any queer horror than none. Yeah. But I do, I want to see, I don't want to say, I I mean, I know I've kind of talked about, like, the get out for queer horror. Yeah. And, you know, Jordan Peele's get out. But I don't want to necessarily say it that way. Uh, I, I think it's problematic saying it that way. Yeah. But I do want that standout horror film that's going to be everywhere, every, you know, mm-hmm. in all the theaters, and it fucking wins a shit ton of awards and stuff. I'm ready for that moment. Yeah. And queer queerness has been a part of horror almost from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's, you know... Whether using queerness as a sin or as the evil, quote unquote, for the film, or even if it's just like a homoerotic or, you know, some would maybe even look at Psycho and say there's some transness there. Not a trans person. So don't let, I am not speaking of that. Yeah. I'm just saying I could see people relating yeah or something we all especially in the queer culture a lot of people do relate with the villains Mm. in horror films so i'm really looking forward to that moment and i think rift and midnight kiss are on that trajectory Mm. helping push that forward yeah and we just need somebody who's smart enough to take that what that otherness that we have i honestly think 
changing gears a little bit to the Crypt TV. Yeah. The thing that we watch. It's Miss... Yeah, Miss Anity. Um, So it is a series. Crypt TV is... Uh, produced or or funded by Bloomhouse. Yeah, who had they're found they're out. funded and backed by Bloomhouse. And and first of all, that's amazing. Yeah, because that's honestly like short horror. So it's a short horror channel, um, and they have series, they have one offs, and it's very interesting. And I've watched a few, and they're. First of all, they're very well produced. They are. I really love. I think it's called the Jester. I don't know if they did. They do that one. I was pretty sure it was them. Oh, I'll have to look again. It may not be. Okay. But I was pretty sure that was from them. I don't remember. I didn't yeah. think so, but but it may not be. Um, there's quite a few, but specifically the one we're talking about is the Miss Anity series. It's part three, and it's called Kiss and Makeup. Mm-hmm. It is about a teenage boy who is getting beat up because he's wearing makeup. Yeah. And his dad is being very critical and, you know, sends him to his room and he can overhear his dad talking down about him to his mom. And he is getting down on himself about it. Yeah. And realizing he is different. We don't know if he's gay or um, trans or anything like that. All yeah. we know is that he is a boy who is wearing makeup. Yeah. And so there is this creature, Miss Sanity, and she always comes around when these characters are kind of getting down on themselves. Yeah, they're like questioning themselves or being angry with themselves or with their lives and stuff yeah so so you you know bringing that up so you feel like that's kind of i think that was pushing like gay horror in like the direction i would like to see gay horror go because it's it's him versus something else other than like a relationship Yes. But you still identify that the character is a part of the gay culture. Sure. And they um, made it about him. Yeah. And his fears. Yeah. And everything. And that's kind of the whole point. And I really just liked that the creature was just kind of an addition to. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean, you could have helps. changed it into something else. Sure. Um, but... I liked that it was uh, him facing his fear, a fear, and overcoming it. Yes, in the end, although it's still it Played has a out. twist in the yes. end. Yes, but that's what I would like to see is more stuff like that. Where yeah, the character is gay, and we identify that, but it's like a story, like yes, just regular horror and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I just want to see more of that. Yeah. I, and, and so like looking back, I mean, so A Nightmare on Elm Street, part two, Freddy's Revenge, the gayest nightmare. Yes. Uh, most recently, Shudder has the documentary or came out with the documentary Scream Queen. Mm-hmm. And it is about uh, the actor who played Jesse in A Nightmare on Elm Street, part two. And that's the main character. That film has a lot of homoerotic, gay culture, Mm -hmm. just... Or maybe not even gay culture, because really it helped shape gay culture. Yeah. More so than necessarily that gay culture was added. However, it's just so gay. It is. (laughs) I mean... and, And I have talked about this on Behind the Screens podcast... Uh, with Ian and just really enjoyed breaking it down why it's so gay. Go listen to that episode. Uh, I believe it's like episode 34 or 36, something like that. Um, But it's so good. And 
I have such a deeper appreciation for that film because of it. Mm-hmm. It used to be one of my least favorites. Mm. But even now, I mean, I'm not saying it. it's on top of any lists, but it makes it more enjoyable. Yeah. And you watched that with me. I did. And I've so, seen it before. Right. And I think after having wa- watched um, Never Sleep Again, the yes, the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, yes. them talking about how it became the gay Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. It gives the movie a whole different feeling feeling when you right. watch it after that yeah and you you start to pick up on all these subtleties yeah throughout the whole film and and you can relate to it way more mm. so and that's i really feel like if they had just said yes this is about jesse who is a gay character and who is having issue or maybe not even a gay character but is having it comes across like he he's a like teenager fantasy. who is yeah. a teenager who is struggling with the idea that he's gay, which a lot right. of teens struggle with when they learn that they're gay is yes. trying to deal with that. And especially this movie coming out in the 85. Yeah. I mean, that was a time, you know, if you grew up in the eighties, that was much more of a struggle than it can be today. Exactly. Not that it is not a struggle for a lot of teens today. Or for any of us but today, yeah. It's it was definitely less acceptable back then. Yes. Absolutely. Than it is today. So yeah, I mean if you go in you watching it and seeing it as like a gay teen learning about himself and struggling with that, it totally changes. Yes. The overall theme of it i i think i agree because when i watch this and and granted i watched this as a kid Mm -hmm. mostly because it was one of the few that would play as opposed to like the better ones yeah it was always like part two and part five which is dream child the two least like (laughs) good movies in my opinion (laughs) of the series um, along with uh, Freddy's Dead. But anyhow, so yeah, I have a whole new different appreciation for that film. I have been in gay clubs that used to play this video, used oh, to yeah. play The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, just interspersed with porn, oh, basically, okay. like softcore gay porn. Which is, I didn't even know was a thing until I went. And it it was something, I'm, it's, it was definitely something that wasn't all the time. And maybe happened twice. And I, you know, much later in my life, going back to the same, same club, they weren't doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, I think, caught the ass end of it. Yeah. To be fair, the person who was leading the nights, like the the drag queen always was like the host. She was in her 40s. Uh-huh. So, she probably did a lot of that, but I don't know. What do I know? Um, so and then we also watched High Tension. Mhm. And that's about what 2003, 2004. Sure. Okay. I don't remember yeah. when I said it came out. I want to say it's about then. And um, this is a French film. Uh, I don't remember how you say it in French, but it, hot tension. Hot tension? It's like H A U T E. I don't know. Okay, cool. So, I know French. Sure. But not that much French. Again, uncultured swine here. I took four, three years of French and I. Couldn't tell me what speak. I, yeah. I couldn't speak a lick of it to you. <laughs> I took Spanish. I remember a few things, but anyhow, so high tension is this is a slasher film, and it's just this very it's it's tense. It is it's the name of it tense. is very it's very tense. Yeah, highly tense. <laughs> 
And basically, it is about uh, a young woman who has witnessed this massacre of a family that she's staying with Mm -hmm. by a man who has who's like a serial killer basically Mm. and it is all about her trying to free her friend that was kidnapped she was not murdered yeah but you know things don't work out yeah (laughs) and and so i don't want to give too much away because i feel like even though we could do spoiler warnings, I'd much rather you guys go see this film if you haven't yeah. caught it yet. Because once you, it is one of those like, I enjoyed watching it again. I thought it was really good. It was super um, engaging, yeah. And uh, the story will surprise you. Yeah, I if think. you've never seen it, you've never heard it. And or maybe you've only heard like, hey, it's a good movie. It is. I really. I, it's one of the top movies that I would say, please go watch it. It is intense. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of gore. It uh, there is a, a, a dog death. I will mm-hmm. just throw that in there. Yeah. There's a child death. Yeah. So yeah, just. You don't see it. Yeah. It's more alluded to mm-hmm. than anything. Um, but that's definitely one. And and I really like that because it kind of did what A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 did. Yeah. It's, you know, without it being so overt. Yeah. You don't really pick up on it till the probably the, the, yeah, like the... The last, yeah, maybe like twenty minutes of it. Yeah. Um, Once you watch it, you'll understand why it's considered a gay film. I'd almost want to watch it again just to see if I can pick up. On oh that yeah, stuff you again. do. I mean, you you most definitely do. Yeah. So so yeah, that's another really good one. We mentioned the lighthouse earlier. Yeah. So you brought this up to me. Yes. Because you, this is not queer horror in the idea of this is a movie mm. that was supposed to be about being gay or yeah. being queer. This is just a film that has a lot of, again, it's kind of that Nightmare on Elm Street 2 thing. It's just that film helped shape queer culture back then. Whereas this is just a very homoerotic film. Yeah, so... It is about two men, one played by Robert Pattinson, and the other is played by... Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, thank you. And Willem Dafoe is like the old crotchety... Yeah. The old crotchety lighthousekeeper. And then Robert Pattinson is the young new keeper, and it is just about their time on the island with the lighthouse... I don't remember how long it's been. I, I think I think the That's, whole point is yeah. like you don't know how long it's really been. Has it been yeah. two days? Has it been two weeks? And then there's like confusion. Like he's trying to confuse them about yes. how long it's been. Right. And and then so it's just this deep psychological dive. I really enjoyed it. It is a very like heavy shakespearean or yeah like greek tragedy yeah i think it's based on or like inspired by a greek tragedy tragedy yes and there are again not really scary but creepy moments yeah this again i don't know if it's already a genre so sure. I'm not as well versed in horror. Sure. It's made by the same or produced by the same company that did Hereditary. So and come to find out, A twenty four is just a distributor. Oh. They're okay. not a product. They just they do tend to distribute the more artsy horror films. Yes. I, I, I know saying artsy is probably not the right 
Okay, but this word, this, yeah. But yeah, that is a genre. I mean, where it's very high concept. But this one, Midsommar and Hereditary. Sure. For me, <laughs> I want to call them disgust horror. Okay. Where, not that lots of people like them. I'm not a huge fan of Midsommar. Or hereditary. I don't understand. Out of the three of them, I would rather watch this one. Sure. Um, Okay. The Lighthouse over the three of these examples. Sure. But after having watched them, when I think about scenes in the movie, I get that like disgusted, that disgusted feeling, like that kind of like shiver of like ugh, sure, grossness, which is great. Yeah. It's a it's a disturbing feel. It's a, like I'm a massive it's a difference between like the gore, yeah, versus like that inner disgust, yeah. yeah. Because I'm a massive fan of like Saw, and yeah. Never do I get that like ugh sure. feeling. I would almost say like for me, some of the Final Destination movies also give me that. Those have, like, for me, the effect that Final Destination films have is, like, that you, you're you scared. You're looking yeah. at, like, every fucking thing and, like, that could kill me, that well, there's could kill like, me. There's one, I don't know which film it is. I think it's probably like, the fourth one or something. Girls okay. doing gymnastics and flips and lands head first into the mat and it breaks her spine. And she's, like, she's, like, crunched up. Yeah. Because of how she landed, like, on her face and, like, her spine's broken. But she's still, like, sort of alive. Yeah. And, like, the main characters that they're showing, they don't react very much to it. But then, like, the people in the gym don't really seem to take it seriously. Okay. And that gives me that disgusted feeling. Okay. Just like these movies. Of just that. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, back to... The lighthouse, how sure. uh, the homoeroticism of it. Well, because there's just especially more towards the end. Yeah. Again, we're not gonna. We only did spoilers, kind of more for Rift, just because we probably had a better connection with that film. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like. Again, we didn't really give the end away though either. No. So I want to try to keep it at least hopefully intriguing enough. Yeah. But towards the end, there's some very homoerotic scenes. I love, I really did enjoy the visuals from The Lighthouse. It was for a black and white film. Yeah. It was very pretty. Yeah. No, they did a lot with. With light and shadow. Light and shadows and stuff. So yeah, it was it was very good in that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Robert Pattinson either. So that's okay. That was it. Kind of is not one of my favorite movies. But. Yeah. So a film that you haven't gotten to see, and and I kind of forgot all about it actually until somebody mentioned it, just in Twitter. Stranger by the Lake. Okay. Uh, just a brief synopsis. It is about uh, a young gay man mm-hmm. who goes cruising. Okay. And an older gay man. Uh, but it's been a minute since mm-hmm. I've seen this. This used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Sure. But it it's also a different... It's a foreign film. Okay. So it's dubbed. But it it is just about this older gentleman... Who keeps going to the lake because that's a heavy cruising spot. And oh, by the way, there's a killer. Oh. In the area. Okay. So, and he's killing these gay people as they're having sex. He's mm. he's getting with them, yes, having sex with them, and then murders them. Oh, okay. So uh yeah, it you just for one, they don't build it up that way. It's the way they did it was very well done. I I definitely remember like it was just one of those things kind of in the background. Oh, okay. You know, if memory serves, and then all of a sudden you start realizing, oh, this is what's happening. Okay. And so it is about like kind of the dangers of cruising. Sure. So you know, seeing that aspect, um, as well as it does seem that the older character is dealing with these feelings Mm -hmm. of wanting to try 
because it's not so much that he watches people. Mm-hmm. Um, though that is, like, the big point, is he likes watching people. Yeah. Um, the voyeurs. But not having sex, just living their life at the lake as they're hooking up. Yeah. And then, of course, just seeing, you know, the young men splashing around that whole thing. Which is why, it, even though he doesn't explicitly say he's gay... There, he seems very interested. Mm. So, and then of course, there's the younger gay guy who this is normal, this is everyday life, this yeah. is something he's already embraced, and and the two of them in that connection. Mm. So, I really enjoyed that, and I definitely recommend it. But, and I think that's a great example of taking gay culture or the otherness of being gay and then making it into a horror film. Yeah. I think the way you're describing it, that seems like more what I'd like to yeah. see is like, because there's lots of aspects of gay culture that you could make a horror film out of. Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, I could probably name five ideas right yeah. away. <laughs> there's a lot of like, also, I mean, gay culture and, the history, there's a lot of terrible things that have happened, too. Most that, definitely. I mean, if you could do it well, you could tell a good story. Yes. Um, yeah. If you wanted to make a horror film out of it, because I, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of horror. Horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's definitely, like, we're going in that right direction, which is my feeling of it. Mm-hmm. I, this is, I think, like, a 2000s or maybe a 2010 film. Mm-hmm. Um it is a little slow burn. It's It literally takes place at the lake the whole time. Okay. And it's just over days. And it's, it's mostly in the discussions that they're having together. And that you're starting to kind of piece things together. Mm. So, other than that, like, I know people love to bring up, like, Pennywise. Yeah. And the Babadook being gay icons. And I'm trust i am i'm down for pennywise it. and babadook being gay icons i don't yeah i mean i don't really understand it but the babadook does not make sense other than that other than somebody dressed up as the babadook during pride and sissied their walk yeah in pride and i love it don't get me wrong but the film doesn't have anything to do with being lgbt it is all about this woman who is going through it yeah because her husband died and her son's a fucking maniac so yeah i don't get any sort of lgbt there pennywise i mean the second movie well so the book and then the second movie does deal with there are gay characters with gay characters uh the book opens up with the murder of a gay man. Yeah. And basically him and his partner are bashed. And he is more feminine. Yeah. And he gets thrown into the river. Yeah. Or under a bridge, basically. Uh, I think, of course, the book and the movie differ just a little bit. It's been a minute. But basically Pennywise ends up killing him. Yeah. Uh, as, as he's, like, drowning or very hurt. So, um, and that is, it, that spawns the new modern uh, cycle mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Of its feeding. And with it, chapter two, the film, uh, it did actually touch on a gay relationship. Yeah. And that I was a little surprised by because it does not go into it in the book. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you. You probably already heard about it, but I'm not really going to spoil it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, go see it. It's not a, not as good as the first one, but it's still very good. Yeah, I the first one for me is like an 8 or 9 out of 10, and this is like a 7. Yeah. So, but they do, and this is kind of like... I don't feel that... I mean, they're definitely not characters that are just there 
to be gay. Yeah. They just happen to be gay. Yeah. Or one of them happens to be gay. Yeah. And it totally makes sense once you look at it. It's just didn't really expect it. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. That's kind of like we can take it that way as well. Mm-hmm. And and it's a it's a main character. It's a significant character. Yeah. It, you know, so it it and it wasn't so shoehorned in mm. that it you know, it didn't feel real. It actually is like, oh, I could have seen Yeah. Totally like this whole I totally gotten that, yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh I really didn't ex- yeah, I just didn't expect it. I really enjoyed it. But going to Pennywise you know, I don't really see him as a character necessarily being LGBT. Yeah. Because he is not about anything sexual. He is not about gender. Yeah. He's... He's just an or it, interdimensional creature that wants to feed. Just likes to... Yeah. Yeah. It's all about fear. It's all about feeding. Yeah. But again, we do as queers and and i'm sorry if that word offends you but i do reclaim the word yeah and so when i say this i am not saying it i'm saying it as an empowered term yes as queers we do often relate to the other Mm -hmm. um quote unquote the other yeah so that completely makes sense um some other you know, we talked about short film. We've talked about uh, movies. So television, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. I mean. You're more versed in Buffy than I am. Sure. Um, but very embracing of mm-hmm. LGBT. Willow turns out to be gay. Mm-hmm. And and I feel handles her sexuality in a very, like, response. Like, respectful way yeah very positive there there are many women who have boyfriends when they're younger but then once they realize that they get out of that home environment that's Mm -hmm. very restrictive and she begins to realize hey i'm a different person than what i realized and honestly from that moment on she grows so into such a strong character Mm -hmm. even though she doesn't realize it she has no confidence in herself but she has you can see the confidence within her yeah especially about magic and then of course it was supposed to relate witchcraft with lesbianism as a metaphor and uh and tara being you know her gay girlfriend even though she is only there as Willow's girlfriend, she is a part of the Scooby gang. And they even protect her uh, from her own family who, due to like some uh, misogyny, really. (laughs) And and they they tell her like, you're a part of the group. We don't want you to go. And she, for me, Buffy the Vampire Slayer will be a totally different episode. And I will get into it. <laughs> but those two become so in- integral into the story without their gayness being used as like a prop. And they're such a loving couple that it's it's very moving. Yeah. And to have that positive representation back then... I mean, I know there was Will and Grace, but I I just think it was much more relatable. Yeah. So, uh, I definitely recommend you guys check it out. Um, and there's a lot of other moments of queerness in there. Um, I hate Kennedy. She can go die in a fire. Kennedy is basically Willow's new girlfriend, and I hate her. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Other than that, there is chilling. Uh, well, because I think oh. like it probably worked better than like Will, or Will and Grace or anything like that, because it, I think it was aimed more at like the teenage. 
It was a newer generation. Whereas, like, Will and Grace, I think, was meant for family. Uh, Maybe, but definitely the more, like, Generation X gays than necessarily uh, the Generation Y, maybe even a little millennial. Yeah. You know, not really so much, but... um, so yeah, I I think that's probably why it was it was better, but there's definitely leaps and bounds that it could have gone. It's just it was 2003 when the show ended. It was 1996 to 2003. Yeah, the fact that they had two women kissing on the WB at the time. Yeah, and then the UPN. I mean, still back then. That was very... Governors and stuff were still demonizing. I mean, George W. Bush said that, you know, marriage is between one man and one woman. Yeah, so... So, so yeah, I mean, that was a pioneer. Um, And then you... The hyper version of that is the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Yeah. Because... They man, everybody's by in that show except yeah. for Sabrina. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, I love that in it because they're like, no, everybody gets with everyone. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, so. yeah, it's really not. It 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 doesn't play into anything. Yeah. Um, it is a very sex positive. Yeah. Uh, gender positive. Trans positive. Yeah, all that type of show um i would love to hear your comments from anybody um you know telling us whether or not you know was the show is the show good Mm. in that representation i do think it's very much that cw teen angsty yeah you know, but even more so than even Buffy. Yeah. Frankly, <laughs> I really love the CW, and so I'm sure. so down for I that. Yeah, I just don't know why people can't communicate with each other. I mean, I know that's like 75% of everything. Yeah, I mean, most of the problems <laughs> that ever happen in a CW is series is because they're like, oh, I can't tell this person this thing because... I don't know, and then yeah. problems ensue, and it's like, oh, I should have just told them the whole time that problem. And, and then it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. So, but my issue with it is that there's just not a character who's just gay, and that's very aggravating. That's true. I understand there's bi erasure, and I, and I think it is a real thing, because people are like, oh, so you're gay, because... But that... For me, that is them being, that is not the bi person, but the the person judging them yeah. is miseducated. That they think that they have to be either straight or gay. Yeah. But I know so many bi people, men and women, who they're too gay to be considered a part of the straight community, and they're too straight to be considered a part of the gay community. True, yeah. And I'm saying it right here, right now, bi people are welcome in my community. Me too. However, (laughs) in terms of this show, I'm really aggravated that the one character who seemed to be gay Mm -hmm. is not gay. Because he's having a whole relationship with a woman in the, in the last season. Yeah. When he was just specifically with men in the first two seasons. And there's already bi characters. Yeah. Such as Sabrina's boy toy, mm-hmm. Nick. As well as Prudence, uh, played by Tasi Gabrielle. I really love Prudence. And... I am so down about her revenge story and everything against her father. I am down with all of these things. What I'm not down with is that this person who, which is the character of Ambrose, who is a cousin of Sabrina's. Yeah. 
And sure, they never really said, okay, he's bi or he's gay, and I'm fine with fluidity. It's just, there isn't, there's Sabrina, who's straight. There's her aunts, who seem to be straight. Yeah. Because so far I've not seen either of them with women. And Harvey, who's straight. And Rosalind, who's straight. But then thankfully we have Theo. Yeah. Who's trans. I fucking love Theo. Yeah. She's I really love his st- or he's their great. story. Yeah. I don't know if they go by they. Yeah. They never specifically. Maybe. No. I think he does go by he. Okay. I don't know. We'll say they just in case. Yeah. I apologize if that's. You're further in the series than I am. Yes. And so I don't know as much how they develop his character. It's, he's just, first of all, he is like, let's do this. Yes. Let's fucking whoop some demon ass. We're going to go into hell. (laughs) We're going to retrieve your boyfriend. And like, and, and I just really enjoyed that. Um, so there's very straight characters there. Yeah. But there's no, they're purely gay and that's it. Yeah. I would like them to put. And I really love a gay male character. Yeah. I understand there needs to be all sorts of representation. But man, it is so hard to find a main gay character in almost anything. Yeah. That and and that is a good character. And mm. Ambrose is such a good character. And he was gay as far as I know. Yeah. And but I'm totally fine with him being bisexual. It's just I'm aggravated. But whatever. Yeah. Um, still a lot of representation. So the, that is kind of what I'm seeing and embracing just LGBT and making it a part of the story without it being like a catered thing. Yeah. Or a... I really, I really like it in the series. Just about how you said earlier, the fluidity yes. of it. That it doesn't matter. There's no stigma There's for no stigma of to, like to go between yeah. or anything. And that, man, if we could and ever I, get to that. I would love that because, <laughs> I mean. Then it just wouldn't matter. Love and lust and passion. It's what it is. Yeah. Whatever you feel. And they feel embrace that lust. As long as everyone's consensual in it. Go That's for all it. that matters, as yeah. long as it's consensual. Just, you know, if you are two consenting people, enjoy it. it enjoy the feelings yeah. of it. And I, I think they embrace that in this series very well. Of yes. Just whatever feels good, feels good. Yeah. So, so. Um, I do think, like, um, Dorian. Dorian Gray. Oh. The bartender. I think he is specifically gay. Oh, okay. But he's such a secondary character. Yeah. He, you know, whereas Ambrose was, I mean, he was part of the main story. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I've had my gripe all the <laughs> right now. But, so yeah, we would love to hear from you guys about any queer horror that you've come across. I And I mean anything, comics, books, I read yeah. constantly. I want... I've been trying to find queer horror that isn't just, like, two gay guys that are vampires fucking. Yeah. You know, like, I want drama. I want, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I want an interesting story. Yeah. And not just urban fantasy. True. So, um, I want to thank you all for tuning in Mm -hmm. this week. We have horror movie trivia. Trivia. So the question for on the last episode that we had um, on our ABCs of Horror episode was Nancy Thompson survives a nightmare on Elm Street to appear in what sequel in the series? You said you knew it. I do. It's, okay. Go for it. It is Dream Warriors. Yes. She returns in Dream Warriors where she helps the next generation of the Elm Street children to help fight Freddy. Yeah. So, one of my favorite movies. Um, 
it was the end for me in my ABCs of horror. So I don't know, I just felt like that was a great first starting question. Absolutely. <laughs> did you get it? Did you get the answer? Yeah. Did you did you listen and, and get it? Or is it something you always knew? Or is it <laughs> something you may not have known? Um, but yeah, so we have another question. This is, you should know this. Uh, it is jo- one of Josh's favorite series. Um, in the Saw series, what type of physician is Dr. Lawrence Gordon? Oh, I, I actually have to think about that one. And he, it is mentioned quite often in the series, especially in the first one, of course. So, yeah, uh, we will tell you the answer next time around. And in the meantime, you can leave uh, comments. You can message us on Twitter. And yeah, so we really enjoy this. I hope that you guys enjoy the horror movie trivia. Um, We'll get into some harder questions soon. Mm -hmm. Just trying to like ease into it a little bit. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Sweet dreams. Demons, Witches, and Bitches, the podcast is independently produced and created by yours truly, Witchy Boy Pop, and edited by co-host Josh Williams. The intro and outro music was Demons, Witches, and Bitches by Aja, at Aja Queen on Twitter. The song can be found on all music platforms. You can find more content by following us at Twitter, at DWB Podcast, that's Demon Witches Bitches Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, boils and ghouls. Until next time, have terrifying nightmares.